little mistakers what's up it's justin mcneil here with another episode of humor in mistakes coming for you with my guest andrew gleason this is an important episode because it's a milestone because in about eight hours i'll be turning in my two weeks notice to my job and i'm happy about it like i have been wanting to do this for a while it's happening and like life changes are happening i'm gonna go spend two months in new hampshire and then i am going to new york and like so many things are happening and i'm excited about it i want you to listen to this episode because this is the first episode i'm telling y'all this and on this episode me and my boy andrew gleason discuss the life changes that are happening for us because we're both going to new hampshire for a few months and then we're both going to new york we're making life changes it's happening i'm excited listen to this episode of humor in mistakes because this could be the episode and the day that we go after our dreams and you got the first listen to this and you get to reflect back on like oh shit i knew these dudes when they were first quitting their jobs you know us you're little mistakers and maybe today is the day that you quit your job maybe you listen to this and there is a plethora of people we'll say 200 because that's how many people listen maybe 300 sometimes 400 a month we don't know maybe 400 people quit their job this month because of me i'm uh I'm increasing the unemployment rate right now. That's my that's my F you to Trump. I'm trying to get, get people to quit their jobs and follow their dreams. Thus increasing the employ, unemployment rate. What are you doing for America? Hello, my little mistakers. And welcome to the Humor in Mistakes podcast, where we encourage everybody to find humor in their mistakes what's cracking andrew how's it going i feel like you're the most frequent guest that i have this is definitely my fourth time (laughs) doing it but maybe maybe the second one being released it'll be the second one being released so you were my test guinea pig for like the first two or three episodes. That's right. And I felt bad because I'd be like, yo, I'm not releasing the episode that we made. I'm I'm happy you didn't release it. <laughs> oh, the, those are deleted. And then like the hard drive that they were recorded on, I need to burn it. Yeah, microwave it. Exactly. Uh, things were said on there that would destroy both of our careers. Absolutely. I Absolutely. Think, um, we, tr- we trashed other comics. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, what do you expect? That was, uh, what, two years, a year and a half ago? Yeah, we definitely trashed other comics a year and a half ago. Um, we commented our true political beliefs, which you can't do anymore. Nope, I won't even comment on that. I'm liberal all the way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where the pendulum falls anymore, so uh, <laughs> I, my, my lips are sealed. Uh Tighter than the case that the Constitution is in. <laughs> uh, my lips are still tighter than the... <laughs> the... Be careful. <laughs> okay. Um, 
So we're here for a particular reason. Both our lives are changing in less than a month. Shit. That's like, what is it, like 14 days away? Ooh, it's, damn, that's two weeks? Yeah. What is it, the 27th? It's the 27th, and both of our lives will change on the, what, 13th? Yeah. Officially, yeah. Officially. So what do you have changing for you? Oh boy. Um well we're we're both going up to camp, right? New Hampshire. New Hampshire is not ready for HS two. They are not. That mountain town, wherever the hell, lake we're going to. Yes. And because of that, I'll be turning in my two weeks notice tomorrow. Or actually we're recording this on Sunday, so it'll be released on Monday. And on Tuesday, I'll be turning in my two weeks' notice. That's it? Yeah. You're done with the business you're at. I am done with I. You can say it. I am done with IBM. The corporation. I am no longer corporate. How's it feel? Dude, it's been something I've wanted to do for a while, but didn't have the courage <laughs> to do it. And I know you're laughing because I used to complain all the time about my job. Because that's one of those where I don't even work in the corporate world. And, like, I knew IBM was one of the companies that, like, nobody likes working for them. They're like the Walmart of the tech industry. Did I tell you when I first got my job, one of my professors who I was really close with was like, oh, I didn't ever expect someone like you to be corporate. Oh, did he have that little inflection on the word corporate? Well, yeah, because... I guess he was telling me that my personality in corporate didn't fit, but he didn't want me to turn down the Did first it though? job. It didn't. Not at all. And I need to go back and talk to him because he was like, oh, like, you're doing corporate? Okay. Uh, what else can you do, though? You got the degree. I mean, I mean, there's there's startups and stuff, which is a little, you get to speak more. Well, when was this? This was like 20 what? This is 2014. 14? Yeah. yeah. So you weren't turning out jobs back yeah. then. Was was IBM your first offer? It was, and I just jumped on it. Yeah. Man, okay, so you've been there five years. Uh, yeah, five years. For one is an intern. Four is. Uh, Can we go down this road? Can I get a little review of what it's like to work at IBM? Okay, let's do this. Okay, first thing I want to know: you've been there five years. That's half a decade. Yeah, you're young talent. Talk to me. Which is what tech industry likes. Yeah, especially I've heard IBM likes to. They like the youngins. They like the young people. Our executives probably like the youngins too. Right. <laughs> uh, first thing I want to know is, you um, don't not getting into specific numbers, but uh, what what's the pay difference like from when you first started? What was your initial offer? Now, what was it? But your initial offer versus what you make today? Uh, they've given me raises, which is like and a pretty good raises. Oh, point for IBM, which is like. My last raise was the wake-up call because I got it. It was a promotion, and it was a raise, and this was last September, and I was happy for two weeks because I was like, I was like, yeah, I got the promotion, all this, and then I was happy for only like a week and a half because it was like, I want to do my own thing, yeah. and I want to be in control of my destiny. I want to freelance 
And there's just something about the longer you stay, the harder it is to quit. Oh, it's quicksand. Yeah. Yeah. They want you to they want you to have kids, they want you to buy a house, they want you to be fully ingrained. They start introducing you to <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Hey, the McNeil. co-worker on the other floor. Exactly. Hey, McNeil, you thinking about getting married? Anything that they could do, this, any job, wants you to be fully Ooh. committed and and stuck, you know. Yeah, because they, they want to trap you in middle management. Yeah. There's a ceiling. I'm, I'm talking out of my ass right now because yeah. I've never had a corporate job, but I'd imagine that there is a ceiling. I don't think you can work past the ceiling. What I do know, and I do believe wholeheartedly, is that, um, this is me, conspiracy theorist, America needs workers, right? So they don't want everybody to go for the boss. They don't want everybody to be entrepreneurs. That's why it's not really taught in high schools. Because cause if you explain to kids, hey, if you work hard, you could be your own boss. Yeah. And if you tell that to most kids, if you told me that at 16... That's the path I would have gone down without a doubt, and they don't teach that. They don't. They don't teach money, teach money management because they want everybody to be workers. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So I just felt like keep, that's why I, they keep the carrot on the end of the stick. Exactly, and they keep you. They keep the means of getting that carrot out of your hands. I mean, deeply. That's why I never committed in a relationship because part of me knew the moment that I committed. And like settle down. Mm-hmm. It's like now I have to consider You're someone clear. else's feelings yeah. if I want to just up and quit my job because I knew that this job wasn't right. That's the biggest thing for me, man. Yeah, fucking being considerate. Yeah, nah. Because when you, I mean, right now I could, I can. It, worst case scenario, I could crash on someone's couch. Exactly, and I don't have to worry about anybody. I don't got to worry about kids. But you can't get sucked into that hole. I had a friend who was telling me that he didn't like his job. And I was like, this is me being hypocritical. I was like, yo, dog, why don't you just quit? And he was like, I have a wife and kids. (laughs) And it was just like, boom. Like, like it never made sense. It was like, this is why people just can't up and quit. Maintain the status quo. Exactly. And even if he wanted to, he can't go to his wife and say, hey, I want to quit a job to make $50,000 less. While I figure it out, like she signed up for whatever role. Like if you decide, if you're like I am in tech or I'm a doctor, you can't just be like, "Hey, I'm making two hundred k as a doctor, but now I want to go make thirty as an artist." Yeah, you, you, you will be divorced very quickly. That's where, yeah, I have my own feelings about that too. Because like, my parents should have been divorced many times. And it's like, uh, when you lose a job, but you're already broke, that's when, you know, it's like trying to think of like a a famous person who kind of like a famous couple that stuck together, but it's like the more money you got, uh, the smaller, the fluctuation has to be for everything to just crumble. Oh, true. Right. So, like, if you get fired from your job as a lawyer, if you get fired from your firm, that's earth-shaking. Yeah. But if your family's surviving on 40000 a year shared income and you lose your job, it's like, oh, well, what are we going to do? How are we going to work together to get through this, you know? Yeah, because there's not so much dependent on your salary. Right. And everybody has salary creep, too. So the more money you make, 
the more money people tend to spend. Oh yeah. Yeah. Living living above and beyond those means. Exactly, man. Exactly. But back to uh, IBM. I have another question for you. Talk to me. As a company, it's something I'm curious about. Um, what What's the percentage of your team that's the same people from uh, last year or two years ago? What's the turnover rate like? Oh, no. Most people stay. They're lifers. So, yeah. Yeah. IBM tends to be lifers, which was another... Another point for IBM. Another point for IBM, but it was another thing that scared me because it was like... Everyone was like, yeah, wait till you get to your 25-year reunion. Wait till you get to your 30. And there was no part of me that ever wanted that. You don't like, want not, that watch? Huh? I don't want the watch. It's not that I don't want to work. It's just I don't ever, I never wanted to stay at one place forever. And I knew that deep down. It sounds like IBM might be a nice company. You're just afraid of commitment. <laughs> That's probably it. They were like 30 years. I was like, I can't. Whew. That's a house. Oh, buddy. That's a house. I'm just, and it's not that there's anything wrong with that. This is me. It's just I never wanted to, and never want to. Hey, I gave fifty years of my life to an entity. Yeah. They that at the end of the day, if the numbers started coming up red, they would lay me off. Like even if I had oh, twenty, yeah. thirty years invested they would still lay me off. And it's like, why would I make that my life's work? Have you been paying into, uh, like, a 401k? Or, uh... Yeah, yeah. 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 So, like, it's, it's, it's not bad at all. I'm not talking shit. It's just that's not for me. Because I would hate... There was this dude on my team who he, he ended up retiring. And then he died three years later, like two years. So he died within... And it was like... This man spent nine, eight, nine, ten hours a day, and then only got to enjoy like two or three years. The majority of, of his life, yeah, the majority was spent of his life. on the clock. It just like I, his waking life, and it, and so part of me is like whatever work I have to do to put in to where I can just make my own hours. Maybe not make a lot of money, but like make my own hours. But yeah, you want to get out. You want to be able to get something out of what you do. Yeah, and like working for. At the end of the day, working for someone else, who, whose product or whatever you do doesn't have any return for you, you or your interests. Yeah, that's wasted time. Yeah, I don't. I think it's, it's. I think I get it. I think some people. Everyone's built different. So some people want the stability. Of every two weeks, they know that there's a check coming. But what are they working for? Just to maintain the status quo? Maybe they're. They have kids. You make good money. Does anyone can, legit like doing what you do? Do you I think, think somebody? No, I think there are people that love it. I think people that love it. I think that. Our generation is wired a little wired a little bit differently. Yeah. So I've had long talks with my grandmother, who I think is going to end up being on the podcast. Oh, who like yeah, yeah. Who she comes from Grammy a different McNeil. time. Yeah, Grandma McNeil, who comes from a different time, where she's like, I don't understand why you wouldn't want stability and just to give because she stayed at her at one company her entire life and got the pension and all the got the globe. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> got she got the thirty year globe. 
uh, the watch, and like she appreciated the stability, and that was like something she didn't have to worry about. As long as she did her job, eighty percent chance, ninety percent chance, she was always going to get a paycheck unless her company went under. Um, so I get that. It's just like a lot of us are wired differently, and it's like maybe it's a generate. Are millennials killing the workforce? <laughs> we are killing the <laughs> workforce. Like you and I have talked about, both of us have a cheat mode that we can go into where we can severely lower the amount of money we need to live on. Oh, pennies, peanuts, peanuts, like rice and chicken. And then if I get, and that's like emergency level, but there's a level beyond emergency level extreme where it's like rice and beans. And I've done it. I, oh man, there, there have been some times in Chapel Hill where like, that's a little, a little trick. I don't know if I want to reveal this, but I always leave my jobs on a good note. And there have been some days where I've went up to a former place of employment that happened to be a restaurant and gotten a free meal. (laughs) It's like, hey, what's up, old boss man? How you doing? How you doing? Great, great, man. Yeah, I'm stopping by to see you. Uh, Man, that smells good. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Yeah, yeah, I'll take one. Fries in the back? Oh, (laughs) offer me french fries? Wow. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, I mean, at, at some point, you know. Yeah, you want to eat decently, but I mean, I I can do ramen. I'm 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 not too old for ramen yet. You can do ramen. You you can make ramen healthy ish. You can throw some uh, you can throw some lettuce in there. I throw diced jalapenos in it to yeah. spice it up. Uh, throw an egg a spice in rack. there. That that's <laughs> one of those things where it does. A spice rack is an investment because if you have a nice spice rack, then you can eat. Anything. Spam and onions? Spam and onions. Throw <laughs> some cayenne pepper in that. Oh, man. People don't know. People don't know how to live cheap. I, I see oh. it, man. Like, I'll explain to people sometimes, because I've had, I've told my friends that I'm quitting, and they seem worried. And I'm like, bro, if it gets critical, I can sleep on someone's couch, like you said, and eat rice and beans, r- ramen, Ramen and a little spam. Do you romanticize that a little bit? What? Because I do. What? Living like minimally. It sucks, but I can do it. It sucks, but part of me, it's like Rocky going into the the mountains to train. Yeah. It's like part of me has that feeling about it to where like, man, if I if I cut off my Netflix and Hulu and my streaming shit, that would mean I'd be reading more. I'd have more time for that. If I, uh, you know, stopped driving to Chapel Hill every week and saved on gas, I'd be at home. I could be doing something productive, you know. Stop spending, living bare bones, you have less distraction, I find. Dude, I'm the opposite, man. There's something, there's a part of me that, even though I hate it, when I'm uncomfortable, I work harder. You work harder. And... And I can go into zombie mode and work and like not think and only focus on the long term picture rather than like the day to day of like today sucks. But I can think of the long term picture like right when I I didn't graduate from grad school. I I was supposed to finish my grad program within a certain time to keep getting paid by IBM. So there was a point I was living with my grandma and I um, I 
I still had to pay for grad school, so I didn't have any spending money really. So I only had like, and I had a girlfriend at the time. We ended up breaking up because when you ain't broke, girls don't like that. But, <laughs> but like, I was in pure like every day. I go to work, use that to pay tuition, not have a lot of spending money. Um, would sleep on my grandma's couch or floor. And would eat like ramen noodles just for like a six month span. And it really didn't suck because I was just like. You had your routine. I have my routine. And I was actually going to the gym too because I'm like, wake up, go to the gym, stay sane, go to work, uh, go to the library, repeat, rinse, repeat, right? rinse, repeat. And it was like my project ended up being great. I was doing well at work, and You're I was more exercising. productive because you don't have as many distractions, dude. You don't got money to go out, exactly. So you're at home. I, for me, one of the first things to go is streaming services. Really? Because to me, it's just like I'm not. I mean, I still got my PlayStation Three, but what it is, what it is. But I uh, cut out the st- streaming services, which makes me read more and like work on shit. Uh, another big thing is I didn't have internet for a while, which is scary to a lot of people. And, uh, it is a very productive thing to have, but when you, you don't have it, I was getting so much creative shit done, like writing music, writing comedy, all this stuff, you know? For me, it's ladies, man. Cause like, well, if you don't got money, <laughs> true. It's it's kind of a domino effect. Can you take out a bank loan to date? I don't think so. Like, uh, what if like the dude was cool and you could be like, bro, look, I met this girl, and she's expecting a certain lifestyle. I just need enough money. I, I'd have to if I was a bank guy. I'd tell you no. Because it'd be a band-aid on your problem. You should you should go out there, grind a little bit, because getting your dick sucked can make you work less. It, Fair it's point. a it's a stress reliever. <laughs> and sometimes you don't need stress relievers. It makes you forget all the problems in the world that uh at ten, twenty minutes you're getting slobbed. So yeah, that's another that's another reason why I let it go. I let ladies go when it's when it's grind mode. Because yeah. I forget about the problems of the world when my penis is. <laughs> <laughs> That's the drug, man. It's the drug. Uh, so how do you feel about the changes that are coming up? Because we're moving to New Hampshire and then it's on to New York. Yeah. And it's big life changes. How did you feel about it? How did you come to the conclusion that this needed to happen? Because we've been talking about moving for a while. For a long time. For a minute. I'm happy LA kind of. I'm I'm kind of happy LA didn't work out. I told you, bro. I went to New York. Remember, I came back and was like, "Hey, I don't know about LA, man." Yeah, Uh New York's legit. I'm very excited. We went during the summertime though, so we gotta right. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm. I'll find out because uh, we're going around September. Yeah. And that's right when it's about to get cold. I hate cold. I hate cold so much. <laughs> winter, nothing good happens in the wintertime. It's part of me that hopes that it really sucks, so I will just hunker down. You ever notice that every Law & Order episode takes place in cold weather? 
It does. They have one of those big winter coats. Those big winter coats. You see their breath and shit. There's never a summertime episode. That's a dream of mine, dude. Be on Law and Order? Just uh, extra on Law and Order. Just. Yeah, dude. Be the guy who. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if he's uh, the janitor who gets interviewed. Exactly. Just say, like. Because they always have, like, some smart mouth. Like. <laughs> What do you think I do? Sit around and look for murderers all day? I got shit to sweep. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll help you. I can't believe that show is still going. I can. It's amazing. Every episode is wonderful. That redhead's going to get kidnapped a handful more times since she's got to smutten up. <laughs> oh, man. I wish Law was really like that. There's like courtrooms. Where the people would confess on the stand if they were... I would go down and watch court. Oh, on yeah. my days off. <laughs> court is boring. It is. I hate court. Uh, I used to get that guy, the main actor. You talking about Jack? Or are you talking about... Uh... He's the on SVU. He's the partner with the redhead. Oh, you talking about... Uh, uh, uh... He has the anger problem. Oh, you talking about the... Uh, uh, not, it starts with the name, not, uh, not more. Shit. Uh, it's not, uh, Elliot. Elliot. Yeah, Stabler. that's Elliot Stabler. Yeah, yeah. Elliot Stabler. I used to get him confused with Mike Rowe from Dirty Jobs and, uh, Cash Cab. To me, they're the same person. They're the dude just, from Cash Cab's a comedian. I know, he follows me on Twitter. Oh, so what? Like, yeah, I, I think know. it's a bot, but, uh, yeah. Stabler made police brutality cool. They, I he's just got that blue collar, like ex boxer exactly. vibe. Yeah, Stabler makes he has he will rough a criminal up as he puts him in a police car. He's Batman. Yeah, he's Batman. He doesn't injure them permanently. He just helps them understand that they're under arrest. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't feel bad for him. At this point, is it the criminal's fault or Elliot Stabler's fault? Because they should know his reputation. Like, hey, if Elliot Stabler's arresting you, you might want to not resist. And given his department and what type of crimes they deal with. Yeah. If Elliot Stabler's arresting you. I I think most criminals that are getting arrested by that department should probably get knocked in the head. Get, get, get your ass whooped a little bit. Just a little bit. What are you doing messing around with 12-year-olds? Oh, yeah. Um, there are some... Have you seen that video of them confronting this couple dudes, and they're confronting this one dude who got caught talking to some, like, 13-year-old, and they're, like, his boys, and they just, like, go in his room and just beat the shit out of him. There are crimes that I truly believe that need outside justice especially if they get in trouble if they get away with it right so you like those criminals that you know those crimes are like all right this dude is talking to a 13 year old maybe he's not crossed the line yet but he's talking to a 13 there's no reason we talk to a 13 exactly so the community should get together and give him yeah. some encouragement to never talk to a 13 year old again there's a there is a, as much as i'm Staying away from politics, as much as uh, a lot of society likes to think, there is a such thing as knocking the sense into somebody. Oh, definitely. I will stand by that statement. Street justice. Yeah. Street uh, uh, street justice all the time. Um, I raised my voice to my mama because I was getting bigger and thought I was a big deal. <laughs> and my uncle came over and said, put on some boxing gloves. 
You whoop your ass? Oh, definitely. <laughs> you probably couldn't say that now. Like, if anyone had asked and I had gone home, like, gone to school and told them this is what happened, probably would have gone to jail. But yeah. it was, like, one of those lessons. And it was, like... It was a a well-timed... It was a ironically timed boxing match. Yeah, the very it ironically... had nothing time. to do with the fact that you... <laughs> yeah, I bucked up and I, like, stood over my mom and I thought I was a big deal. And I did not know she made a call. <laughs> and uh, I realized I was not such a tough guy. Well. And, uh, yeah, you better stick to them books. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, and I, I truly believe in would I ever. Someone told me that their uncle did that. I'd be like, yeah. did he cross the line? No. Did he give you a little ass whooping to teach you a lesson? Yeah. That's okay with me. There's a. It gets blunt. Like, the whole. I feel like it's misunderstood. Yeah. Uh, spanking your kids or, you know, doing whatever. There, There's a lot of stuff gets labeled like abuse or where well, I don't think it is. I think every kid is different, right? So my sister who ended up going to Duke 4.0 GPA in high school, you tell her my parents come in, my mom would be like, I am very disappointed in your actions. My sister would start crying, be actually disappointed. Bam, you don't ever have to put your hands on her. Me? You tell me yeah. I'm, you're disappointed <laughs> in me? Matter. And I'm like, did I just get away with this? My <laughs> mom tried it once. She gave me a long talking to, and I was like, I just got away with this. You know, I, me, until I understood logic. I'm very sorry to hear that, Mom. Oh, <laughs> mom, I made you upset with my actions. I am so, so sorry. <laughs> yeah, me, you had to punch me in the mouth to make me understand certain things <laughs> until I got older. It's just the way it is, man. Yeah. Um, Fish changes a lot. Are you So, how do you feel about moving away from your family? I'm going to miss my niece. Yeah. Uh, everyone else, they'll be all right. I'm going to miss my niece and my grandma the most. Uh, other than that, I think it is... A close enough distance to where I can get home if needed. That's another reason I like New York over LA. Exactly. It's it's a twelve nine or fourteen hour bus ride. Fourteen hour bus ride, two hour plane ride. Uh, worst case scenario, rent a car, twelve hour drive. Yeah. Like emergencies, you can get back home. Emergency, I can be home in twenty four hours. Yeah. Um, be tired, but I can get home in 24 hours at any given time. The bus ride wasn't that bad to me. I like the bus ride too, man. Yeah. I realized I'm a traveling person. Like I like traveling. And I'm not a bougie traveler either. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> I showed up. We went, I went to New York with uh, Tori Chafee, another comic. And um, I showed up and unzip my backpack when we got on the bus <laughs> she's like oh you brought snacks i was like i brought snacks i pulled out a full grocery bag yeah, i had waters too. candy uh chips like everything man slice of pizza and a ziploc <laughs> bag like i wasn't eating how late was the bus bro <laughs> <laughs> they're so ghetto they <laughs> don't give up <laughs> so our bus got there but when, when was it supposed to depart? One forty a.m. It got there about 4 a.m. <laughs> I don't want to talk shit. Megabus is all right. Megabus is the... Uh, oh, it's great. It's just always late, and they don't care. Yeah. 
and the bathrooms. Oh, you, you actually used the bus bathroom? I had to. Bro, you never used the bus bathroom. I mean, it's a toilet, a hollow toilet with water in it that just physics. The water is going to splash. And uh, <laughs> did it, did, as people were getting up to use the bathroom, people would groan because it's like you're going to make the bus stink. Bro, I used it after the Lincoln Tunnel. Or whatever it is, the tunnel in New York. So the very last ten minutes of a, the bus, the whole bus ride, they make stops though. I know. I was trying to hold it. <laughs> yeah. no, you can it was it. terrible. It was full. There was toilet paper everywhere. There was puddles everywhere, and I was standing there swaying back and forth, trying not to touch anything and pee at the same time. It was uh, it was very bad. Seriously, I I, I liked it though. It was like. It was funny because someone started smoking weed on the bus. And what bus were you taking? The mega bus. Where? And and the bus driver was like, "Look, you can't smoke on the bus." So then we stopped, pulled off like about ten minutes later, and uh, they went behind the bus and just smoked up. And I'm, bus driver was cool. It's cool. It's the mega bus. It's like was there stopover in DC too? I think there was a lot of frequent stops. It's like we stopped like almost every hour. Was there, uh, did you get the turnover at Grand Were Union? you switch buses? Yeah, in yeah. D.C.? Yeah. That was a, I like that place, that little like mall. Oh, it was, it was good. They had like the Cinnabon and all that. Yeah, they, uh, there was a cute-ish uh, security guard who worked there. Came up and complimented my Pikachu hoodie. How do you feel about cute-ish people? It's like they're cute in a certain light. I can't say shit because I feel like I'm cute-ish. <laughs> You're cute on certain days. Yeah. Certain um, light hits your right. Yeah, I've noticed that I'm attracted to a lot less people since I've stopped drinking. Okay. Um, I don't know. Everyone, everyone can look good on the right day. Um... You gotta be careful about cutish people, cause like when they're not in their like element. I've never had the experience of waking up the next morning and be like, "Huh, whoa, who are you?" Uh, I, I brought home a cute looking blonde, and you are a scary, scary lady, bro. Black teeth, red eyes. The power of blue balls scares me. Because there have literally, there was this one time I was in a drought, drought, like I think two, three months to where if someone, if I smell perfume, I was catching a boner. <laughs> and I was like, I was trying to, cause I was getting over a breakup. I was like, don't just hook up with anybody, like relax. And I, and so were you the, taking care of it yourself? Huh? Nah. See, that's the problem. Well, the thing is, like that will make your your shoot time, your ejaculation time go down. the The more you jacket, the shorter your ejaculation time gets. You don't perform as well. I mean, but you I've gotta seen, relieve that stress, man. You're right. You're right. <laughs> um, because I've developed a technique with my hand that far exceeds most vaginas, so I've had to stop doing it because it makes it's my hometown. Come time go down, my ejaculation time go down, or the vagina just doesn't feel as good because my technique, I've mastered it. 
That's I was a very, very lonely sixteen year old boy. But if you are getting hard off of perfume, you gotta otherwise you're just gonna explode. Dude, I can make myself ejaculate in like twenty seconds. You're gonna explode. You can't let it get to that point. You're right, you're right. And I shouldn't have because I was like one day I was like, Alright, screw it. Went on Tinder, found a girl, and like I thought like I swear on everything I wish I could put my hand on the Bible. I thought this girl was the most attractive girl. Like I remember Oh I think you might have been there. I was like at the club. I think you I was get catfished? The, huh? No, no, it wasn't a catfish. I was at the club. Oh shit! I remember this. How attractive she was. You and went everything. to uh, you went down the uh, like two bars over. Yeah, and I yeah. was like, I was talking about <laughs> how attractive she was, and everyone. I remember Brian like looked at me and like, "Bro, are you all right?" And I was like, "Yeah, man, I'm good. Like this is." And the moment I like the moment I released my like we were so I took her home, had sex with her. The moment I ejaculated, it was just like this fog went out of my brain. And I looked down, and I was like, oh, my God. Like, what the hell, McNeil? Uh, <laughs> like, what is going on? I remember that because I didn't see her at the club that we were at. I uh, saw her afterwards when me and Bri went out <laughs> and uh, walked through another bar. Uh, that was the night. Yeah, you went down. To the underground one, right? Yeah. 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 We walked through and I was like, who, who is McNeil talking to right now? <laughs> I'm sure she was a sweet girl. No, she was, she was, she's attractive to other people. She just wasn't attractive to me. That is what you call a save. We got to, we got to remember that for when we make it big, we got to, we got to say, we got to save ourselves when we're starting to talk bad. Uh, I'm sure she's very attractive to other people. Um, attraction is a, a uh, spectrum. Subjective. Exactly. Um, she did look like last year's winner of the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she, yeah, she was not. But hey, you know what? If you're listening to this podcast. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. And if you. Uh, Maybe just on the inside. If you write in. To the podcast, email the podcast around August 30th, September 1st. McNeil will probably hit you up again. (laughs) I don't know what I'm going to do at camp, man. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Because that's a situation where you can't even even jerk off. Yeah, we'll be at camp. What are we going to be doing at camp? We are going to be... I'm going to (laughs) be in charge. I am the rifle director. Uh, I call first in the showers. I just thought of that. Okay. I don't know what the shower situation is going to be like, but it's going to be a race every day because <laughs> I'm trying to get in there while they're clean. All those, oh, all those boys, yeah. Oh, man. They, they're going to be doing... I hope we have separate showers than the fucking kids. Me too. Me too. I'm not trying to shower after 40, 12-year-olds. Yeah, we're going to have to get in there early. But I feel like this is a chance to do things differently. Like, it is... It is a good reset mode before moving to New York. It's going to be nice. As far as what I'm going to be doing, my job is essentially I got to be the first one down at the lake. And I got to set shit up for the the classes of the day and for the other counselors. So I got to be up around 5 a.m. 
And I think that's Monday through Friday, right? Do you know if we have weekends off? Oh, uh, we have weekends off pretty much. Well, the ki- the kids leave at like 11 a.m. on Saturday and come back like at 11 a.m. on Sunday. Right, and it's new kids every week, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think you still have to be preparing, but I don't think that you necessarily like have a time that you have to do something. But I think if you don't do anything in the 24-hour span, you'll probably If possible, what I'm going to be doing is having everything set up by Saturday night. Yeah. And then I'll have Sunday off. Sunday to chill. Um, But, yeah, I'll be up at 5 a.m. every day and do my day's work. Hopefully, I'm hoping the day ends by like 7. I think it'll be over by then. Seven or eight, and, and then just I'm gonna be reading and writing. Just so y'all basketball. know, we are leaving Chapel Hill to go work for the Boy Scouts of America at a camp this summer. What part of New Hampshire is it? Do you know? It is Dublin. Dublin. Yeah, Dublin, Dublin, New Hampshire, which is supposed to be I've heard I've had many people tell me it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I bought a camping pack cuz I'm going to go hiking or a hiking pack because I'm going to go hiking. And uh the weather's going to be great this time of year. It's going to be amazing. And I feel like it's going to be a great time to just reset to think about what's next, to get our game plan together for New York. It's um it's a vacation. It's going to be a good vacation. You know what sold me on it, though? Because when I was thinking, because you and, well, you weren't going to be working there yet, but I was told that you could get a job there. And I was like, all right. So two, and then Will as well. I was like, three people that I get along with very well, who we have a good time together, can go work in a beautiful place, get paid good money to go have fun. And I was sitting there, I was like, I was working my current job, IBM, and I was like, so I'm going to turn down this opportunity to spend a summer with some of my best friends and having a wonderful time, being in charge, to, to be sit at a desk. On a fluorescent light. Exactly. And I was like, at what point in my life did I start doing this? Like, turning down a... And it'd be one thing if I, like, had a wife and kids and like, all right, I'm blowing them off to do it. But, like, I had no obligations to stay. I was like, why would I do that? How close were you to saying no? Uh, if you want the honest truth, if it wasn't for Brian, I wouldn't have this job. Yeah. Uh, because I kept telling him, dude, I don't know. I don't know, man. Because he was telling me about it. And the, so... Bri is my friend, and the guy who could hire me, Bri is really cool with, and I'm cool with. So Bri kept calling this dude and was like, all right, I know McNeil's being funny, but he's going to take the job. And so then he set up a meeting with the dude saying I had already said yes to the position. (laughs) And I was sitting there. So if he hadn't gone that far to say, yeah, I know McNeil is like iffy, he says he don't know, yeah. he's taking the job. If he hadn't gone that far and actually set up a meeting with the dude. Forced you into it. He forced me into it to where I'd have to tell this dude, yeah, bro, I said, yes, I'm taking the job, but I'm not. Yeah. Then I probably, honestly, deep, deep down, knows I would have just kicked the can and been like, oh, no, I should probably stay. Yeah. And then, like, once I said yes... And it was like this weight, like, I'm finally quitting this job that I hate. It was like, 
the the catalyst to where I started working harder at IBM, like actually doing my job. Well, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Exactly. So, like, my advice is if you have something in your life you don't like that you're currently doing and you're scared about, like, taking the next step, find a way to force yourself to take the next step. Even if you don't know what's going to be beyond that, like, the actual step, just taking the... And it was also my therapist, too. So, my therapist... Cute-ass therapist. Oh, she's fine as hell. But I was talking to her about my life, and about three or four sessions in, she, like, drew this... She made this pie chart, and it, like, had comedy, it had work, it had friends, it had family. And then she said... She pointed in the middle, she wrote, like, job at IBM in the middle... And she's like, everything that you said stems off the fact that you hate this job. She's like, everything you say else, like, you kind of don't like or you're working on improving. But she's like, it stems upon this one thing, this weight. She's like, I think you should find a way to cure that. So, like, if you have my advice, little mistakers, if you have, like, this one thing in your life and you're working everything else around it, like, you're you're trying to solve, like, the, the other pieces of your life and you're like, oh, but those are actually fine. You need to focus on the the thing that all the arrows point to in your life. If it's your husband, your wife, Nixon. You got to. Yeah. I mean, there's always... There's a foundation. Can I tell you something? Go ahead. I am proud of you. Oh, I meant yeah? to say that. Yeah. For... You know for what. I don't know if you came on the podcast to admit this, but you have recently made some life changes yourself the drinking yeah yeah i haven't drank in two and a half months it's been 77 days and how long were you drinking before uh i was drinking a fifth of night six five six nights a week for probably four or five years i can tell you this i was shocked about how much you drank i lied to everybody when we lived together and you would buy a fifth and it actually, because of, oh, he's exaggerated, it would be gone. I was like, Jesus. Uh, yeah. And that's the thing. That's how, that's how, because a lot of people are beer drinkers. Yeah. Like, and to me, killing a 12 pack of beer is different from killing a, a fifth that's just straight whiskey. Like, my body was, I was, Hurting my body. What made you finally change? Like, decide. I had been thinking about it for a while. I mean, the last uh, last episode we we did that I was on, uh, we talked about it a little bit, and I was cutting back pretty heavily. And then um, I just kept thinking about it. And then one night I went out and really partied like hard. I was doing all sorts of stuff I shouldn't have been doing uh, with people who I sh- probably shouldn't have been with. And, um, yeah, that that drive from Chapel Hill back to Raleigh the next morning, I was like, I'm taking a break for a while. And then um, four days after that, my body just went into, like, shock. Like, from stopping? Yeah, I think so, yeah. And I had to go to the hospital, and they had to, like, uh, check me out and, like, do all this shit. And uh, after that, I'm like, I can't, if I start again, who knows what 
what would happen. So you're you're a reformed alcoholic. You're, yeah. Was it was it tough? Because like, I feel like you always knew what the problem was. Was it tough? Were you ignoring it, or was it just like? Um. I think what it came down to was I didn't want to let everybody know what was really going on because dealing with that, um, I viewed it as a weakness and, um, I guess if I, I wanted to be the party guy and if I was like, uh, maybe this partying is screwing up my life or like relationships or whatever then it's a problem and if i have a problem that's a weakness and then people will think i'm weak so that that was kind of the mental aspect of that it's like it's like our ego wants us to say that we can drink and party and do all this stuff and control it right. and still be successful rather than just saying look it, it, it's not working I feel like that's that happens with a lot of like comics or people in general too, where there's like y'all partying really hard and you know, maybe that time that you're waking up at ten PM and hung over, you could use it writing or there's just so more so yeah. many different things you could use it for. That was a big thing once I cause at that point I was probably only drinking once a week. Yeah. Um I cut back a whole lot. And I was starting to see, like, how productive I could be. And I was like, man, I've had some local success in comedy. We did festivals. Yeah. I traveled out of state to go do improv festivals and stuff like that. Um, I've had really great stand-up shows. It's like, if I'm able to do that type of stuff while being so wasted all the time, <laughs> like, what would it be like if I had been sober this whole time? Where would True. I be at? Um, you do have some great Andrew moments that are stored in history. Ooh. <laughs> that that I I love that you evolved beyond. Do you have a favorite? <laughs> I I I think one of my favorites is the mic Wait. drop. Oh fuck! <laughs> I didn't know you were there that night. You were so fucked up, <laughs> and then like you did comedy, which. I don't even know that you did that well to be dropping the mic, but it's like, <laughs> it's an expensive piece of equipment to where like most people who like Obama can afford to like, here's your money for a mic or like Kevin Hart can drop a mic. Cause they're like, no local comic should be <laughs> dropping a mic after an <laughs> open mic set. <laughs> you just, and that, that was so the best part about that is I dropped the mic I don't think I shook Josh's hand <laughs> and then I just walked out of the venue yeah and left um I vaguely remember that yeah I was sitting there like this is my boy I got his back who has a problem with him dropping the mic <laughs> nobody better say nothing I got his back yeah he dropped the mic bitches <laughs> do uh, something I thought you were gonna um bring up uh greenville when we were at the greenville comedy fest and that girl came up to us after the the set and i didn't recognize her sir i screwed that up sir that was supposed to be some after festival 
Fun time. Holy shit. I fucked that up. And, and it was, that was because I was drunk. She she was clearly, because she spoke to us before the festival. Then she came up to us afterwards, was flirting. I was like, oh, this is going to go down. <laughs> I think you walked out. I was like, who are you? Like, I forgot what you said. But you I made said, it very clear that you did not recognize her. <laughs> I was like... Oh, you perform tonight? <laughs> there are only three acts on the show, us being one of them. And uh, uh, yeah, the whole tone of the conversation changed. Oh, sh- didn't she just like leave? Yeah, she was clearly unhappy. Yeah, I was like, I've made a lot of dumb. Hey, decisions. I. You had to go through it. It was to fun. get us here, and the team is stronger because of it. We have a, a, a once alcoholic on our team. That is a great story. That's a great story. Um, we'll be able to sell that story once we make it. Like, absolutely, you can give testimonials to alcoholics. We'll charge them like that's a hundred bucks, two hundred uh, bucks a session. A lot of people, or at least I feel like a lot of people um, think about or feel is uh, if you stop partying, you'll be less funny. Yeah. And you look at all these comics and all these famous people who party a bunch. The thing is, they started partying after they got that big check. Yeah. To me, like, that's that's a whole different story. And they're also in a contract that makes them work. Awesome. If you're just an open micer, you can't party all the time and be productive. You have to think about time, too. So, right now, we're in the position where we have to have day jobs, Right. Right. So, if you're a comic and the only thing that you have to do is have a 60-minute set every two years, you can go get, you can time manage it. And, you know, like, uh, what's his name? Anthony Jeselnik, last special took him three years to write. Like, he did his Yeah. And, hell, you can party a week, write a week. Party a week, write a week. You can do what you want. You can do what you want. Exactly. And uh, not when you're just an open micer. Yeah. It doesn't work like it, that. It drains you of your energy and time. That's what I had to realize with weed. Like, I had to actually have a talk. I was like, I am not funnier on stage with weed. It, it was... It's tough. I hate performing high. I sit there and I question everything that I'm going to do. But I always thought I was funnier. But the thing is, I'm funnier in my head. Because I'm thinking of ideas. So, I can use that to generate ideas. Mm-hmm. But, like, on stage, I'll be thinking and giggling to myself. <laughs> <laughs> like, there, do you remember those times? There have been a couple of times on stage, I'd be about to walk out into a scene and just start giggling. Because I've, <laughs> I've, I have this whole funny scene in my head. I just can't say it. Those versus shows. I, I did a little bit of complaining at the time, but I miss it. Me too. I think it was a wonderful time to where... When all of us were on Versus, when Bri was on Versus too. Yeah. Was James on Versus? He, James he, was, was on he Versus He was on Versus. Too. All of us were on Versus. It was uh, Emily, Kit, Craig. Rachel. Rachel. Uh, Will. Yeah. I, Dan. I think it's going to be one of those times that we complained because we... I, don't we, th- we, I complained because I wouldn't admit it at the time, but I was on a team with where the majority of people were better than me. Yeah. And a lot of times I felt lost. I felt like my choices weren't being respected, which they shouldn't have been because I was a bad improviser. Yeah. And uh, I felt like 
I, I was bitter. I wouldn't have admitted it. I would say that for me, in agreeing with you, having uh, the pit now, and like we're some of the top improvisers at the pit, and we get to do whatever we want. And now that I realize that you never want to be the best in the room, because both of us have talked about over the past year, we haven't grown. So now that we've regressed because we're the top people there because it's such a new theater and they were looking for people. And now that I'm the top person in the room, it's like, oh, I should have appreciated working with people who were so much better than me because I kept getting better without realizing it. All that being uncomfortable, going to a practice, be like, how the fuck the kid come up with that? How did Emily do that? Like, I used to be so scared to be in a scene with Kit. Yeah. But there was a couple times I had some good scenes with him, and it's because it was like, I didn't realize it at the time. But he but was leading. He was leading. And teaching. You should never want to be the best person in the room. That's what the pit has taught me. Because you stop growing. So from now on, like, I only want to work with people that I think scare the fuck out of me. Am I intimidated by you? Am I intimidated yeah. by your talent? Cool. Let's get in the room. Let's work together. Because that pushes me to where I'm not going to come with no bullshit. I, I can't. It's not going to fly. Yeah. Yeah. Next year, it's why Toronto beat Milwaukee. Yeah. Because they had the experience of and leadership, and Milwaukee choked. Yeah. It, it, exactly. It is. Um, the pit has ran a little bit looser to where you know the the comics, the artists have a lot more control. But there's not a lot of this is the standard you have to be at. Right. And nobody's expect if what I mean by that is uh, it's like, um, I don't know, Jeremy Lin or not Jeremy Lin. If you are a point or if you're a, a wing and Kyle Lowry passes you the ball and that's the playoffs. He's yeah. passing you the ball for a reason. You better shoot the ball. Yeah. Milwaukee, nobody shot the ball. They got scared of the moment. Exactly. Because they're not they weren't being led and they weren't being thrown into the deep ends with these these leaders who have playoff experience. Right? Yeah, it's it's why as you get older you understand Kobe and Jordan a lot more where and and KG where teammates hated playing with them, and as a kid, you're like, he's such an asshole. But then he's you're like, demanding so much. They have a standard, and if you don't live up to that standard, and you don't you don't put in the work to put in that standard, they don't want to be around you. And suddenly, nobody on your team is shooting the ball. Yeah, they, and then you lose. That's how you lose. Exactly. There is a certain standard that great people expect. And if you don't want to live up to that standard, they're like, all right, go be on another team. I don't want someone who... Right. And and that's like the standard I'm starting to be like, if you're not trying to work, that's cool. You'd be a semi-successful comic. But over here, the standard, the HS2 standard, we put in work. We put in work, and I want to be on a team with the Kobe's and the people who demand a certain level Otherwise, I'm never going to rise to that occasion. Steel, sharp, and steel. Exactly. You have these conversations, hurt my feelings. Yo, McNeil, that was a trash-ass show. Um, 
well, now I have to get better. Exactly. That's why I love. Uh, that's why I love James so much. Uh, James Taylor keeps it so real. He keeps it real. He keeps it real. Man, no, that was trash. Bro, I went. I met with him for lunch. Word. A week and a half ago at Waffle House. Worst Waffle House ever. Waffle House was bad. <sighs> Bro, we got there at twelve thirty. Didn't get our food. I ordered the All Star. Didn't get our. I got my waffle at one thirty. You can't divide the waffle up. I I didn't get the rest of the food until like another forty five minutes. Like, bro, it was bad, bad, bad. You need the waffle when the meal gets there. South Point Waffle House. Uh, but humor in mistakes does not support South the South Point, Point waffle. waffle House. Um, like if you cross Andrew, you cross me. <laughs> so uh, humor in mistakers. Don't go to the South Point Waffle House. We're saying it. That's how it is, man. Waffle House on Franklin Street. It's legit. Go there. Like we it. sponsor. We we don't sponsor them, but we love them. That's right, and we're open to sponsorships. We are always open to sponsorships. Actually, I take that back. Another thing I'm doing at camp is getting into better shape. Me too. I I. It's just the opportunity is there. Why not take it? We're going to be up there. We're going to have free food. They're going to feed us. There is, and we have the option of eating the salad bars, the salads, and playing basketball, hiking. We're going to be out there. Why not take, just take the step and do it. Bro, if you want to look at my marketability plans for HS2, it's for both of us to get, like, in a dream scenario, both of us get in super shape. And we're also comics slash models. Because you know how many ugly comics there are out there? All of them. Comics are (laughs) ugly. Like, they don't stay in shape. It's kind of like an ugly man's game. Have you you seen Nick Swartzen lately? I have not. Oh, he looks like a a hot dog you left in the microwave too long. Really? It's bad. (laughs) I mean, he's funny. He's hilarious. Yeah. But, like, you could tell he's done nothing but party and drink for 40 years. So, what I'm saying is... Part of our our niche could be we're some of the fun, fine comics. We we look good. We're going to get a great show. I might take off my shirt during a set. Do it, man. You know, just strip a little bit. Like I am, I'm your baby mama's comic. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm man. I'm getting into shape over the summer. Okay, at least better shape than I am in now. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to be in the water all the time. Swimming's one of the best exercises. You got tattoos too, man. That that's how you market the 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 bad girls, the girls who like tattoos. Uh, <laughs> All the um, the the punk rockers. The punk rockers. I get the clean cut. You get the punk rockers. I man. will take it. Hey, you play a little guitar for them. I'm trying to get sponsored by Suicide Girls. <laughs> <laughs> we be on the next. Uh, uh, What's that show called? Thirteen Days. Is that the Suicide Show? The there's a Suicide Girl show. There's a there's like a third. It's like thirteen days or something. She has like she record a bunch of tapes for. A oh, uh, uh, thirteen reasons why. Thirteen reasons why <laughs> we we can be on the. You can be the sponsor for the next show, like thirteen <laughs> reasons why or something. Um, yeah, man. I there's no reason not to. Yeah, we can. Get in shape gonna, and do our buddy cop movie. I'm down. <laughs> it's just, why are they shirtless in every scene? Yeah. <laughs> why? Why? 
why are all their uh, Instagram photos shirtless? We're going to be literally removed from temptation as far as eating out and eating like crap. We don't have to prepare our own food. And we're going to be in a location for two full months where we can swim, we can play basketball, we can hike. I'm I'm curious as to, I wonder if there's going to be like some type of exercise place there. Uh, I don't, I heard there's not a, like a weightlifting thing, so. Yeah, jungle gym. Jungle gym. Uh, I'm, I might just stick to basketball hiking and a little jogging. Yeah. But it's, it's all there just for us to take and use. There's no, there's no excuse not to. So say something to your future self. Say something to Andrew for one year from now, because we are going into uncharted territory where we are moving. We are actively saying that we're going to pursue our dream of comedy by moving to New York. So I want you to say, what are you thinking now? Like, what's your mindset? And what's something that you should hear a year from now? I'm excited, but as evidenced by the last episode, which I think I encourage everyone to go back and listen to, if you haven't listened to the older episodes of the show, um, thinking back to what I was saying then, Versus what things are like now. And that was what? That was January. Yeah, that was January, January, right at the beginning of the year. Which neither one of us knew that this was going to be happening. Right. It, like, so much has changed. Yeah. And it's 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 crazy. Um. So, I don't know how different things are going to be in a year. I don't know what things will be like. Um, all I know is that I hope that I hit at least somewhere around the goals that I'm at. Uh, I hope I'm within that target. Might not be a bullseye, but I hope that I'm somewhere on the dartboard um, hitting those goals that I'm setting up for myself now. And, um, yeah, I, I think there there's a lot of room for not error or not mistake, but, um, Variation, you know, I'm open to whatever happens, and I hope, and I'm working towards an even better place than I am now. Is there a calm? Because I felt this when you just said I'm I'm gonna go to New York and try it. Is there a calming? Even though it's scary, is there a calming that happened a little bit? Yeah, I don't know where I'm going to end up in New York living. I don't know what I'm going to be doing for work. I don't know. I don't have a date. Um, which is all stuff I previously would have focused on before and had like this, this plan set in stone. Being like, Oh, I'm moving, uh, August 27th and I'm applying. And, uh, my plan is, Whatever I'm a my plan is to be working at McDonald's and I'm going to live in Brooklyn. I would have laid all three of those things out and been like, "That's my plan." And as soon as one of those things fell through, the whole plan would have crumbled. Yeah, and you've been nervous and stressing. Nervous and stressed and all this stuff. What What's calming about it is just saying, "I'm just gonna go." Yeah, I don't need to save up five thousand dollars to do it. I'll, I'll move with a thousand dollars. 
You know, I just need to get up there. I agree with that. It's like, it's like I used to put so many building blocks and like, these are all the steps I have to do before I will move. Right. And then I'm starting to become miserable because it's like, I'm not taking, I'm not going for it. I'm, I'm sitting here waiting. It's spinning your wheels in the mud. And it's when you set up all these pre wrecks for something to happen. Uh, it just makes, it, it pushes that thing farther and farther away. And it's, it's, it's a stress that you don't understand, but it's like, a, it's a stress that you don't understand is happening, but it's like, you keep kicking your goal further and further. And deep down your brain knows that we're just kicking this goal down the pipeline. Like, what are we waiting for? Yeah. Just do, just it. do it. Just do it. And it's like, all right, this job happens. Just, just do it. And there has someone told me there have been dumber people to make it than you. Yeah. There have been dumber people to do great things than you. And why did dumb people succeed? Because they don't ask all the questions. They just do it. And, yeah, they just go for it. They they don't ask why not, what could happen if it doesn't work out. They just do it and they work hard. And that's why it, it sounds, I used to not understand why they said C students would sometimes run these businesses. It's because they don't have to answer every single detail and have every single thing plotted out before they jump. I dated a girl. uh, She was very type A. Yeah. And she would have to have the checklist for like every life decision, every decision you could possibly think of. She would have a plan and organized thing for it. And uh, she was productive and everything, but like, uh, you could just see how difficult life was for yeah. her. And like, sure, you, it's great to have a system and it's great to have um, a process to, to some stuff. But uh, it's very easy to get yourself caught up in in, act, in action through over-preparation, right? Um so yeah, man, I don't care if I go up there and I'm on a couch for a month Me either. and then whatever happens, happens, man. Exactly. Like, it's just, it's just, you, I got you. You got you. You feel so much better just going after it. So yeah, little mistakers, if there's something you want to do. Figure out how to get in the realm of doing it. You don't need all the dots crossed, the the T's dotted. I know I fucked that up <laughs> I did it on purpose uh, to make a point. You just do it. Figure it out and do it, and you'll be okay, especially if you're remotely intelligent. If you can write a sentence, you'll figure it out. And, Otherwise, uh, I mean, what are you doing? What you doing? You only, YOLO, you only get one life. Like, only one. And everything else answers itself, in a way. Because I used to, one thing I used to stress about, like, if I go and I'm a poor comic, or, like, I'm a comic trying to make it, like, how am I going to have time for a girlfriend or a wife? Like, they used to stress me out. But then, my therapist asked me, so why would you want to date someone that doesn't want you to be a comic and is not cool with that? It sounds like you're... Like it answers itself. Like you just find the person that's cool with that, right? Like it answers itself. Like all those questions answer themselves. A lot of shit is so much simpler than it seems. Exactly. 
Like if if you because you know I've dated people that like if you're dating someone that wants you to be a software engineer forever, then it is, yes, it is going to be an issue when you want to be a comic. It's like you're living a lie, and then you're building blocks on top of the lie that you are trying to build. I want to when I get home tonight. This just made me think of this, and I'm gonna put this on my Instagram. The answer that I get. Um, I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna, cause I'm from Las Vegas and, uh, I spent a good part of my childhood out in LA and my father was a drug addict and my mom was working minimum wage jobs, two kids. Um, I want to know how much money they had when they moved from California to North Carolina. Oh, cause there's no way they had savings. I want to know, like, how did, how did we really end up here? Right, uh, and see what she says, because to me that's gonna that's gonna ease some stress. Because I I never thought about that that perspective of like they did it. Oh, I think about that. My stress when my mom had uh, five kids. How'd she do it? Yeah. What did she put herself through nursing school? Did she plan every kid? Uh, I, if I was in Alabama, I wouldn't have had to stress, (laughs) (laughs) but I was almost not here because of how unplanned I was, you know, (laughs) well, you know, we're turning this country around one state at a time. (laughs) Uh, That was a joke. That was definitely a joke. I I don't see, uh. No politics. No politics. Alabama's, yeah. whatever they're doing is getting overturned shortly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so my mom just worked and made it happen. And, you know, I, I'm sure she's stressed, but, like, I don't have an excuse. Right? Yeah. And at the end of the day, if things aren't working out for you, there's always, there's always a path back to plan B. Plan B. You can always do Plan B. Plan B is always an option. <laughs> plan B is always an option for up to three days. Uh, do you pay for it? Uh, you, you split it. It's, it's, is that your? It depends. I, I feel bad. Nah, I pay for it most of the time. It, it depends. I've only had to use it once, uh, and I. Looking back, I was a dick about it. Okay. I was. I was just stressing. Yeah. I, I it was a one night thing and uh drove her back to the car and I was like that was dumb what we did uh if you if you want you can pick that up <laughs> and she just like went on away I don't think I saw her again you and, might got a kid out there no nah, she texted me she okay. was like I got the thing okay and uh I also got my period so we're all good so. okay there you go That's... all in the clear but I should have given her cash but then again doesn't that feel kind of uh, like a transaction? Yeah. No, you should have gave her a little something, but that was a mistake that you learned from. Oh, yeah. No, I always use condoms. On that note, on that note, anything you want to leave the people with, uh, what do you want to tell the people about following their dreams or making things happen? Absolutely, man. You you have to do it. And um, 
Otherwise, that's how you end up getting wrapped up in uh, a life that you don't enjoy. You keep putting, you keep putting bricks on a house you really don't want to build, and that's what I realized. I was like, I am putting. You, if it's hard, if it's hard to quit at five years, it's gonna be even hard to quit at six. It's gonna be even hard to quit at seven. You're walling yourself in like the Edgar Allan Poe poem. Exactly. Yeah, eventually, and I think the majority of people are unhappy because they end up in lives that they never. They never wanted to begin with. Yeah. And then that's how you get... Uh, I'm not going there. But uh, that's how you get a lot of the country's problems right now. <laughs> a lot of people upset when they just need to look in the mirror and make a change. Uh, like Michael Jackson said. Like Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson made a change. Start with the man in the mirror. He wanted man to be white. In the mirror. He did it. Um... Uh, to me, that's not the first thing I would change about myself <laughs> if I was Michael Jackson. Uh, that's because if you change yourself to be black, there would be outrage. You uh, white people cannot just go around. It's it's, it's something that is not vice I think, versa. I think this might be uh, one of the few things that we disagree with. But uh, I was uh, leaning towards the first thing that I would change if I was Michael Jackson. Uh, would be the diddling of kids. <laughs> I would stop doing that. But I don't know. Do you think he did it? Let's not open that up. I think uh, I think that uh, I think he was a weird dude. I still haven't watched that Neverland documentary. I think he was. I haven't watched it either because I don't want to know. Oh man, we should review it. Uh, we should review it. Uh, Michael Jackson was a childhood hero. He was the shit. I still have his albums. Uh, Thriller was amazing. And uh, I don't speak ill of the dead because I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I wasn't there. When Cosby dies, are you gonna? Cosby was fucked up. There is. There is no way around it. Too many people have come forward. Um, I mean, it was fucked up. So many people have come forward that it's like, all right, at this point, okay. Really? I mean, it's only like fifty. <laughs> yeah. It was like. All right, you was wild at Bill. You was you was you was acting crazy. Uh, you was giving everybody your pudding pops. More than one per state. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those oh, Jello commercials Cosby. went to your head. That's yeah. what. Can I even support Jello at this point? Because they had to have known. Oh, they had to have known. They've known. That's one of those things, though. Where like, yeah, I watched the Cosby Show, but that was on like Nick at Night. Like, I didn't, I didn't watch the show. I think I watched it probably nightly for maybe like a year or two of my life. Like it wasn't a staple of my childhood. His stand up to me holds weight because it's one of those stand up specials where the man does not curse. He does not talk about anything vulgar. His stand-up is legit. And it's, I like just think so that... good. Like, I think that's what makes him legendary. Is he... It's why I always put, what, Brian Reagan? Brian Reagan? Yeah. I think, even though I don't think he's legendary, I put him in legendary status because he doesn't have to talk about sex. He doesn't have to go to the, any of those easy tropes. That, I know we were wrapping up, but uh, that's another change. I'm trying to eliminate sex. Cursing and drugs for my act. 
Andrew, you just can't tell me this on the from from stand up. At least for now, I'm trying to. It's a it's a it's a process I'm putting myself through to make me better. Make me better at writing jokes. Oh damn, I should do that. Right? It's fucking difficult. I'll tell you that. What do you talk about if you don't talk about sex, drugs? Uh, we won't go into it on this episode, but uh, after uh, off off mic, I'll tell you uh, a little bit about my latest process. Okay, keeping secrets from the little mistakers. Uh, yeah, it's also kind of boring, but uh, so to sum up this episode, uh, Andrew and I are making. Big changes in our life here. Leaving North Carolina. Tomorrow I'm turning in my two weeks. No, Tuesday I'm turning in my two weeks notice, but it'll be tomorrow to y'all. Um, I'm afraid how that's going to go. Which Hashtag sucks. two weeks Tuesday. Hashtag two weeks Tuesday. Uh, I'm nervous about that because I've been having to be fake at work for like two or three weeks. You want me to come in as your hype man? <laughs> nah, I'm just going to go in and be like... I'm debating whether I should just tell them the truth. Like, I, part of me wants to say, like, oh, I'm going to go work at another company. But then part of me is like, yo, I'm leaving to go. <laughs> I'm leaving to go camp in the forest for two months. Be honest. Why not? Why not? I, I'm going to be what honest. are they going to try and talk you out of it? Yeah. Oh, I'm just going to be honest. It's, why not? Why lie? You're right. I'd be like, IBM, I'm willing to stay here if you provide me with uh, free food, uh, a a summer pass to go swimming and a basketball court. Well, I'm sure they got a basketball court. They do. Yeah, I, you know what? I'm just going to tell the truth. Why not? Thank you for that. Plus, what are they going to be like? Don't go work for the Boy Scouts. Yeah. Like, I care about the youth. I care about the youth. What? Does IBM not care about the youth? God damn it. Uh, Yeah, I'll just tell the truth and get looked at as a fool for two more weeks. So, we're moving out of North Carolina. You're putting in your two weeks Tuesday. Uh, we're going to go to New Hampshire. Going to New Hampshire. Run the Boy Scouts of America in New Hampshire. Going to lead these these kids to, uh, we're going to teach these kids about life. Director level. Director level. We're, we're going to teach the teachers how to teach the kids. Exactly. About life. We are in charge. We are in charge. Yeah. We can change these uh, boys' life for the better. For the better and for the worse. They're going to one day say, McNeil and Andrew, those two comics... On Comedy Central, they were our, uh, they were in charge of us. They taught us <laughs> uh, how to swim and how to shoot, Mister Rifle Director. <laughs> bang! bang. <laughs> When's your uh, when are you getting uh, certified, buddy? Uh, I've already taken two classes. Is it? Oh, I should have brought that up on the podcast. That was a story. I got recruited to the NRA, bro. No, you did not. I have taken two classes, and the first time was a light recruitment. And then when I returned the following week to take the second class, it was a heavy recruitment. It propaganda was, and shit. It was. Did they show you statistics? Uh, the NRA needs more black men like me. I know they do. I could be a leader in the NRA. You could be on the front of a brochure. Hey. <laughs> Talk about comedy gold. <laughs> How was it, though? Because, uh,. I don't know. I mean, uh, it seems like will, the classes would be interesting. Okay, so the last sentence was me being recruited by the NRA. The first class I took, got recruited by the NRA, the last sentence. The first sentence, when I first walked in there, 
was this dude leaned over to me and was like, oh, the teacher started out by saying there were porta potties you can use if you need to use a porta potties. There's two porta potties. So you're at a, like an outdoor range? Yeah. And this dude leans over to me and he's like, I just saw you now. Those are transgender porta potties, so you can use whatever one you want to. Just what in case. Fuck? <laughs> just in case you used to be Justina. What the fuck? <laughs> and I laughed out loud. I didn't know what to do. This why? Is, why? That what? was the first thing he said to me. Why? Uh, because I was known as the liberal of the group. How? Uh, because I was like, hey, I'm moderate. Like, so I went in there. They were asking questions. They were asking about your political. Oh yeah, there were plenty of political ties thrown in. Like, Holy shit! They were like, uh, what Bro, we is? gotta get a hidden camera. Oh, it was wonderful. They uh, they brought out the AR-15. It was like the liberals ain't gonna like this. Just shoot on this one. You might get this on. Hickey? Yeah, they. Oh it, it worried me a bit because, first of all, um, America will never get rid of all guns. Second of all, it lets me know that uh, if America, not, not, and this will never happen. I know that we're never going to confiscate guns. I know it's all propaganda. But I want to say, if it were to happen, there's a few armies out here. There are a few. Oh, they're militias. <laughs> yeah, there are militias. There are due to have whole army. They are ready for an army. They have escape plans. They have tat. They are ready. Like, you're not just going to stroll up and take their guns. Uh there are people that if shit goes down, you need to go to Wendell, North Carolina, because there are dudes that can take care of you there. I don't, I don't know. Uh, they probably have MREs for two years. They have, they have an arsenal of weapons. Hey man, whatever you're interested in life, you know, everyone deserves a hobby. Yeah. Were you, were you the only black guy there? Oh, of course. Oh, man. Damn, I wish I would have gone. Uh, dude, it was wonderful. So how many classes you got left? I have two more classes left, but those will be ta- I'll be trained by the Boy Scouts now. Um, was your back against the wall at all times? Oh, I, no one cocked the gun behind me. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> like, this is how it happens. This is how you accidentally shoot a black person, and because uh, we was out there in the middle of nowhere, I dropped the location uh, drop for my family. I mean, shit, I, said, I said names because my thing is like, if someone gets me, if someone kills me, I just want the person that kills me to go to jail. Nothing more, nothing less. So I always am setting traps to where if you take me out, <laughs> there's a, a a a path of clues. There's a path of clues. You're gonna die pointing. Yeah, like you, people are gonna know that you killed me. Fuck, man. Yeah. Oh, it's it's it's. It's what you have to do with a black person. You would think that you could get that done in, like, Raleigh. You had to go out to the fucking back. Well, I had a short time window to do it, so I had to go to the middle of nowhere. So you had to get pre-certified by the actual NRA. Yeah. And then now you get retrained by the boy So I learned how to teach. So I learned how to use guns for the past few weeks. What were you shooting? Uh, All types of rifles, so... um, AR-15, AR-10, um, semi-automatic. Was it fun? Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. There's, I like shooting guns. Dude, the pump action shotgun. Shotgun shit's fine. Yeah. Like, I mean, I played too much Resident Evil. Yeah, there is there is something deep, deep intrinsic. When you cock a shotgun, that just... 
It's just in your chest. Like, uh, you're you're that much closer to the. Uh, I was gonna say the dark side, but I meant the light side. <laughs> the white side. You, are you are you gonna move to Wendell and start start your own uh, militia? If comedy doesn't work out, there is a part of me that knows that I could I could be a leader in the NRA within a couple years oh, on on TV. Just that's a, uh, who did they have? I think it was on Killer Mike's show. Is there's like the one black guy who's like the spokesperson. Like, his job is in jeopardy now. He doesn't know that he, he has a target on his back. <laughs> but, uh, and I'm talking about a, 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 a metaphorical target. Absolutely. That, yeah. That <laughs> uh, I could take his job. They they need a, because he's older. They need a young, funny. Connected with like uh, college culture. Exactly. Comedy culture. You know, I'm starting to feel like I could uh, represent the NRA very well. Whoa. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Damn. So, so you, you're you going to have two additional days in New York. Yeah, just, yeah. Learning about their program. Learning about their program, learning how to teach the way they wanted it. Because, you know, everybody's different. Um, even the teachers were different in my course that I took, right? So, they're a husband and wife. And so... The husband was teaching that if someone breaks into your house, you go into your designated safe room. So, like, maybe it's your your parents' bedroom or something, and you hold a gun by the door, and if the criminal comes in there, you shoot them, but you let them take whatever they want outside of those doors, and, like... Reasonable. Reasonable, like, because you're not going to kill somebody over a TV. you like, you you hunker down, and you put yourself in a position to where if they open that door, you let them have it, fine. They've... Don't come in the bedroom. You may yell out, don't come in the bedroom. Uh, it's up to you. But the other people were like, you hunt that motherfucker down to your house. <laughs> <laughs> and you make sure they fall in your house, you know, so you can't. Oh, <laughs> fuck. Yeah. You give your wife the, you give your wife the shotgun and you take your pistol and you go searching. Fuck, dude. That's, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy, man. Shit, I just saw a home a video of a home break in where they shot the dude. Uh, you couldn't even see him because he was waiting down. Like he heard somebody kick their, his door in. Yeah, he was down the hallway. As soon as they turned that corner in the hallway, you just see pop, pop, pop. Yeah, fucking, and then like they run, but like I don't know what I don't know what I would do, man. I don't know if I could kill somebody over like personal belongings. And I shit. would probably do the hunker down in a room thing, but I also believe that, and th- this may not sound liberal. I also believe that if you're a robber, you're spinning the roulette wheel. You're spinning the wheel of maybe you get that family that is like all peace, and you get the TV and you get to get out. But then you're also spending a reel that you might break into the dude who has an army. Burglars know that too. Exactly. And they're yeah. they're not dumb. Yeah, you're spending the roulette wheel. And you may be you may break into the dude's house who was training for this for ten years. Breaking into I, I broke into houses when I was in high school. Yeah. The feeling of being in somebody else's house and they're you they're not there, it's scary. It, it's like it's weird because you uh, you don't know like i don't know it's like hard to describe but like anxiety is up adrenaline is up like you know it's like being someplace you're not supposed to be right and yeah. like 
at any time the car could pull up. You could turn the corner. It's like it's like sneaking down when you're supposed to be in bed as a kid and you're sneaking out yeah. to get something you're not supposed to get or something. Like that feeling of like yeah. mom could pop up at any moment. Every Only step instead of mom, it's a fucking nine millimeter. God, man. Damn. Can't believe you're fucking certified by the NRA. Uh, my name is not in the system, so I'm like, you have, don't have to register with them per se. I don't know how to describe it, but I'm not an NRA member. They wanted me to be a member. You're in the reserves. <laughs> I don't know about that either. I don't know how to describe it. Like, they, I might start getting recruitment letters as soon as they put, like, African American, <laughs> took our class, um, and I'll be the spokesperson, and it might be the greatest comedy bit ever. It, bro. All right, man. Uh. Recap. Recap. Um, we're, we are quitting our various jobs. We are moving to New Hampshire for two months to three months to be in charge of the Boy Scouts of America in our various positions. We then plan on transitioning to New York and figuring it out from there. And both of us don't have a huge plan of how we're going to accomplish that. It's going to happen. It's just going to happen. And we both decided to jump at the same time. And I am glad that you decided to jump too. I probably wouldn't have done it if you hadn't. Uh, Cause I, I was like, all right, I think, and I, cause I didn't even know I was going to do it. But when I was like, all right, I could do this, quit my job and move to New York. And I was like, all right, I got to get Andrew a job here. So I have someone to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Is that why you reached out? Oh, definitely. I was like, because we've been talking about it, and I was like, it's it's like an easy transition. So let me get Andrew on board, and then you went. You totally went the New York route. Like once you went, you started like, all right, we're going to do New York. Because I was so iffy about like, all right, what I'm going to do after LA or New York. Yeah, and you started pushing to New York. Like, all right, we can do this to together. You know, a New York. I was ah man. I can't say because I haven't lived there before, but I really think I like I was I was made for New York. And it's it's an easy transition. It's like, all right, this is fitting. We're making it fit. We both talked about it for years. We're supposed to move two years ago. Uh, Shit hasn't happened yet. Yeah, we were supposed to move what August two thousand and eighteen. That's when like the deadline deadline was. Yeah. So we're making it happen August two thousand nineteen. And I'm not telling people shit. Oh, I haven't even been telling people I've been moving. I don't even... Some people, nope. it's like, hey, I heard you were moving. I was like, oh. Man, who? Who? And, yeah, if you're listening to this, you're you're on a select list of people. Exactly. Because before, I got disappointed when people would come to me like, oh, I heard you're moving in August. Well, are you still here? Yeah, it's you like don't I, know what to say. I like, talked to so many people because I was hyping up moving so much and trying to get people's approval Rather than just like, I'm out. It's a mistake. You learn from the mistakes. You learn from your mistakes. Like, yeah, I haven't really told anybody in the comedy community I'm leaving. I'm not. I'm ghosting this bitch. I'm ghosting. I'm out. Like, oh, I'm in New York now. What's up? I'm going to go. Yeah. I'm going to send a newsletter. <laughs> <laughs> um, And we're going to do it. And we encourage everybody to have this feeling of euphoria that we were feeling about new stuff. Absolutely, man. Yeah, this is a long one. This was a long one. Weird. Yeah, it's an hour and a half. Weird. Uh, it's not as long as I thought it was. That makes me feel better. Um, 
but little mistakers. Andrew? Follow me on Twitter, A Gleason Comedy. Follow me on Instagram, A Andrew Gleason NC. And, um, yeah, keep an eye out. Uh, I'm all, uh, like, I'm over here in tune. I'm probably about to start helping McNeil out with this podcast technically, uh, a little it, bit where I can. It's happening. Uh, little mistakers, you should still get an episode every week, but I got some work to do to make that happen. I will be in the middle of New Hampshire. Trying to spin them out. Uh, we'll keep you updated on this life journey that we're going on. But we encourage you to follow along. It's going to be great. Uh, it's going to work out. And um, it's going to be awesome. I'm going to... What I meant by that last thing is I'm going to start plugging this shit. Oh. All over. Please start do. Start promoting this this podcast. Because uh, you're going to have the, the two months off. But once once we get to New York, man... It's on and popping. This, I, I like to see this thing evolving. We have some ideas in the works. It's nice. It's uh, I've told you some of the ideas. Little mistakers, y'all don't get to know yet. Uh, but little mistakers, that's the end of this episode of Humor in Mistakes. Please like and subscribe. And this is Humor in Mistakes, where we encourage everybody to find some humor. In their mistakes. We out. Bye.